Are you looking for a new basketball shoe? If so, this is Gary Parrish here to tell you that the New Balance 2-Way V4 features the groundbreaking use of fuel cell technology with fresh foam creating the ultimate combination of rebound and cushioning. Every step feels explosive and dynamic, and the upper construction features a lightweight textile that's supportive and breathable. So whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the 2-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the 2-Way at newbalance.com. Hey there, it's Gary Parrish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting and leaky black. Matt Norlander is here with me, and as previously noted, in addition to normal episodes of the podcast, we're also regularly recording short episodes on various prospects in the 2020 NBA draft. We've already done LaMelo Ball, Obi Toppin, James Wiseman, Anthony Edwards, Denny Avdia, and Onyeka Okongwu. And if you missed them for any reason and you're interested, you can go find them. They're easy to find. Today, we turn our attention to Isaac Okoro. He was a borderline top 40 prospect coming out of high school in Georgia, but quickly emerged at Auburn as one of college basketball's best freshmen this past season. 6'6 wing, averaged 12.9 points, 4.4 rebounds for Bruce Pearl's Tigers, a team that started 15-0 overall and finished 24-4 when Okoro was healthy and available to play. He's a real difference maker on both ends of the court, especially on the defensive end of the court. Incredible instincts for such a young player. That's the good. A questionable jumper is the bad. I've got Okoro going seventh in my mock draft. Norlander has him going ninth. So we both got him in the top ten, and we're going to discuss him in great detail momentarily. But first, check this out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. You've got the H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on those dirt trails and kick up some mud. Or the third-row seating gets your whole family in to experience the thrill together. The dual wireless charging pads make sure that no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do, like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, Norlander, so let's just start with your general thoughts on Isaac Okoro as an NBA prospect. Yeah, he is a player that has been projected as high as number four and I think as low as around the 10 range. I do have him at nine, and I had a most recent mock draft post uh, on Friday, uh, September 11th. So, I, I, and in that draft, I, I did have him going ninth. I could see, and that's, or, uh, and, you know, anywhere that Detroit, New York range overall, um, eight, nine spot. If he dropped GP, if a coral wound up dropping to 11 or 12 right now, that's San Antonio or Sacramento, uh, it wouldn't surprise 
surprise me. I wouldn't even necessarily say that was the wrong call. He is an intriguing prospect. One now, one we've gotten to like the the bigger name guys, and now we are starting to get into the area where, although Okoro Okoro is obviously talented, and I think is just about validated in being a top ten pick. If you look at a player like Okoro and you slot him into two or three of the stronger drafts from the past decade, he just would not be a top 10 pick in a stronger draft. It is a weaker draft, and so he has found his way in here, which is, you know what, all the more credit to him because he has been able to uh, turn himself into this kind of prospect despite being, according to 247 Sports' composite rankings, the 36th ranked player in the class of 2019. So... I, defensively, he's going to get drafted into the lottery because he is a top three defender in this draft. He's a top five or six athlete in this draft. But one thing I keep coming back to and what I think might help Okoro in terms of the difference between him going potentially seventh or tenth or, or eighth or twelfth is I talked with Bruce Pearl specifically about Okoro two times last season. And both times... Uh, to paraphrase him, he brought up the fact that he's the only senior I've ever had as a freshman. Uh, he consistent. Pearl said he was consistently blown away by Okoro's, not just his maturity and just kind of like the the day-to-day, like just who he is when he walks into the gym for practice, when you see him, just that kind of stuff. He, he thought he was unusually mature, particularly for being, you know, a, a top 40 kid in his class, but also his aptitude and... Uh, willingness to adapt defensively. He just did not have to worry about certain small things with the Coro that, to no fault of other players, just normally freshmen on the learning curve, specifically defensively, don't adapt as fast as Okoro did. And I want to be clear with this. It wasn't like Pearl was telling me this at the end of February. He was ex- The first conversation I had with him about him was right around Thanksgiving near the start of the season. He was already raving about him. So uh, I think those things will wind up being a big factor. I do have a few questions about his overall stock, which we'll get to in a second. But those are my initial early impressions. Where did you say you had him, GP? How high and, and why specifically? I have him... Um seventh in my mock draft. And I think a lot of it is something you've already touched on. Like it's, you know, somebody's got to be picked seventh. Who else do you want to take in that range? Um, he is clearly a flawed prospect and he's not somebody who would go top 10 in every NBA draft, maybe not in last year's NBA draft, maybe not in next year's NBA draft, but in this one, he's got a chance. And when I talk to, to, NBA people about him even the people who don't love him like there are people who love him and would take him in the top five there are others who don't love him but even they acknowledge that he's a lottery pick in this draft like even the people who aren't like blown away by his potential or at least don't subscribe to him reaching it um, still think he's probably a lottery pick in this draft so we're we're, um, we're, we're arguing over three or four spots probably um he, 36th, according to 24-7 Sports, like you noted, in the class of 2019. I'll give some credit, though, to uh, our buddy, former colleague Sam Bassini, who had him projected as a possible one-and-done guy coming out of high school, even though he was a borderline top 40 prospect because he just saw the physical tools over and over again. I'll be honest, I didn't watch Okoro a lot on the grassroots circuit because for my purposes, um, you know, it's not normal for a top borderline top 40 guy to come into college basketball and make a massive impact. You know, that, that's usually reserved for, you know, the five-star guys in the top 10, you know, the Marvin Bagley's, the DeAndre Ayton's, the James Wiseman. So when I'm out on the grassroots circuit, I typically focus on those guys. So I saw Okoro, but not enough to, to, 
be able to argue with the recruiting analyst who had him as a borderline top 40 guy. Um, but very quickly at Auburn, he, he developed and it was clear, like he was very important to what they did. And evidence of that was, uh, you know, they, they started 15 and 0 and they were 24 and four with him one and two without it. Like they went through that little bad stretch and people are like, Ooh, Auburn's falling apart. Well, they're missing their most important player, mm-hmm. uh, their best player and their most important player on both ends uh, of the court, or at least their most important player on the defensive end of the court. And that more than anything is the reason why you have to seriously look at him, you know, in the top 10, he's six, six, two twenty five, six nine wingspan, incredible defensive instincts can guard maybe four positions in the NBA. He can stay in front of point guards. He fights through every screen. He can contest at the rim. He gets into passing lanes, consistently makes plays. Uh, Rob Doster, um, our, 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 also our buddy, um, sort of, and I think this is accurate, um, suggested that his floor is like Lou Dort. Like if you just watch what Lou Dort was able to do in the playoffs, um, there's no reason to think Okoro can't do that. He's two inches taller than Dort, and Dort's entire job was just to harass James Harden. Um, so even if he doesn't develop offensively the way we'd like him to develop, he's going to be able to, to be a big, strong wing who can guard point guards and get, you know, if he ends up matched up against a Kawhi Leonard or a LeBron James or a Jason Tatum, you know, bigger, stronger wing. He won't be physically overwhelmed by them. So that's what people love is the idea that, you know, you've got a big, strong athletic wing who can really guard and wants to guard. Like he takes real pride in it. He like, you know, he, he's committed to doing it. The issues with him are, you know, is he ever going to be anything more than that? Like I saw Vecini, uh, talk to SEC coaches about him. It's guys who scouted him, played against him. And one of the coaches asked, like, is he going to be Tony Allen or is he going to be Kawhi Leonard? Or is he going to be something in between? I, 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 you know, probably something in between, but that's, that's the deal here. Like, is he going to be a liability on offense? If so, he will always be um, a role player. But if he can ever figure out how to you know, get the shot improved and become a better playmaker, be better with the ball, then you got somebody who's got, you know, I, I think the other like top end comp I've seen is Jimmy Butler. You know, maybe you've got somebody who can develop into to, to something really nice. Jimmy Butler is a very high end top end comp. Uh, I wouldn't imagine that would happen. But you know what? Let's just real quick touch on a Jimmy Butler and a, another player you just mentioned who, frankly, um, I know his current situation in the playoffs has suddenly become tenuous, but if he is able to uh, get his Clippers to win Game 7 and could go on and win another championship, I mean, Kawhi Leonard is potentially projecting toward being a top 15 player in the history of the NBA, which is which is just wild there. Um, I think from a body type standpoint, Okoro being similar to Kawhi, I think is certainly possible. And it's interesting, you know, Kawhi Leonard, when he came out, he was a, he was a two and through, he went 15th in the 2011 NBA draft. And his reputation was actually somewhat similar to Okoro's. He was, he was more, I don't know if I want to say developed, but his offensive game was certainly better than Okoro. I think that's that's undeniable. Uh, but he wasn't a great shooter. I mean, Kawhi mm-hmm. Leonard was uh, an, a, a really good athlete, amazing rebounder, top-level defender, and someone that was seen as uh, potentially really valuable kind of a role player plus. Remember, he, he went 15th. Okoro could go as high as five here. But I bring up Jimmy Butler 
And I bring up Kawhi Leonard to remind people that there are definitely players that we see with some consistency when they come out of college are labeled as a certain type of player with a certain type of limitation. And now Jimmy Butler, I mean, when Jimmy Butler is in his bag, he looks like a borderline top 12 NBA player. I don't think he's that. I think he's certainly a top 20 NBA guy. But it's been awesome to see him. I remember what Jimmy Butler was at Marquette, and it's just sometimes it's so great to see some of these guys, once they get six, eight years into the league, how they are able to develop. And no one could have thought the player, the James Butler we saw at Marquette, no one could have ever thought that he would be what he is now, like this year in the here and now in the NBA. So I say that to set up the potential that, yes, Okoro could wind up being uh, you know, a top 10 defender, grow into a reliable offensive threat. And if that happens, we are talking about an all-star. I'm hesitant to go there right now. Now, he's still young. He's also going to get drafted on potential as well because he's 19. Really good uh, measurements. The aptitude defensively really can't be denied. And I do think that he can guard one through four. So I think he's got a good chance there. I just don't, I just didn't see it yet offensively. So, you know, we've talked about this on a previous draft pod. You got to hope that he can develop into something, whether it takes two seasons or three seasons. And you know what? It very well might be on the table that he could do that. But if teams wound up going a different route and he's quote unquote slipped to the nine, 10 or 11 spot, I wouldn't be personally surprised by that. Uh, Cause I don't see Okoro being the kind of player that next season, whenever that season's going to start um, him, just being that being a guy that's going to be like a top seven guy on an NBA roster, top eight guy in an NBA roster. And if you're going to be drafting in that five or six spot, you really would like to have that kind of person. I'm just, I'm a little skeptical that he's going to be that good, that fast, but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see on that. I, I don't see how he goes fourth or fifth. I just, I, it's a weak draft. I mean, of course it's possible. I also think Parrish, I'll throw this back to you. I think Okoro, because of what he does, um, He's one of the two or three players, a couple more, which we'll get to in weeks to come on these draft profiles. To me, he actually seems like he might be a player who is prone to be drafted on a team that trades into that position. So he could be a classic, even though they won't be there in person. Uh, He gets drafted, puts on one hat, and that's not the team he winds up going to. I just think that there might be a team that finds value in him and thinks that it can trade down to make sure that it gets him in, say, the ninth spot as opposed to six or seven. Uh, we can wrap with this. Um, you mentioned like offensively, you just, you haven't seen it. And and that's, it's not, it's not because you missed something. It's just offensively, he's not there yet. I mean, he only took 69 three pointers. He only made 20 of them, 29% from three and shot just 67.4% from the free throw line. Yeah. So he really like when he gets going downhill, he's physical, he's strong. He can be overwhelming, explosive. He gets fouled but he only makes 67.4% of his free throws. And it has been chronicled for a while now that when you are trying to project somebody who wasn't a good three-point shooter in college as a possible good three-point shooter in the NBA, one place to look is the free throw line. Like, okay, if he if he's a good free throw shooter, then it, it at least suggests that he can become a good three-point shooter even if he wasn't a good three-point shooter in college. Now, in college also, he, he only took open, for the most part, he just took open threes. He really didn't take a lot of them. But I, I say all that to say, it, you, you can't even point to good free throw stuff because it's not there. So, like, he's, he's got work to do. 
the 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 good thing is there is a history of players improving as perimeter shooters as they become professionals. The idea that they all do is a lie. They don't all. Right. Um, and it's very hard to go from bad to, to good. But can you go to, from bad to adequate and then bring everything else he brings to the table? Like, can he be a 35% three-point shooter in the NBA? If so, then I, I think if you take him seventh, eighth, ninth, you're probably pretty happy. But if he's a sub-30% three-point shooter, in the NBA, then you've, well, let's just go back to Lou Dort. Uh, There was some incredible stuff that allowed him to play a prominent role in that series. It was the way he was bothering James Harden and just making everything difficult by being big and physical with him. At at some point, Houston stopped guarding him. They just left him alone. And when and, and, and when they leave you alone, like everything becomes very difficult for your teammates at, at, a, at a point where you've either got to a just keep taking open shots and fingers crossed you make them and that one game in the series I can't remember which one I just remember it was on a Saturday night and uh, Houston ended up winning by like 30 something points mm-hmm. but it, it was like Lou Dort took all the shots because they were wide open couldn't make anything now he came back and made shots subsequently but it got to a point where Houston decided um, Oklahoma City if you're going to put that guy on the court we are not going to guard him. So, like, make a decision. And and I think Billy just mostly mostly decided to just ride with him and, and hope that he started making shots. But that's the big problem, is if he cannot become an adequate offensive player on the wing, then you, you're really losing something offensively for whatever you gain defensively. But, um, you know, everything I know about him is great work ethic, high character, humble attitude. So if you're asking somebody to get better, that's a good place to start. It is. And one draft bit of news here for those listening here on, on Monday, September 14th or soon thereafter, if you missed it. the Now the, the draft has been pushed back, um, and they are going to try and get this done on November 18th, which is a Wednesday. There's still no even guarantee it will be done by then. Um, you know, there's increasing scuttlebutt that the NBA might not even li- get get its next season to have liftoff until, you know, late January at the earliest. We remain, it, w- it remains to be seen on when that is going to happen, but the draft is going to be pushed back because of a lot of other factors that don't have to do necessarily with interviewing and evaluating these guys and seeing them in person, but obviously teams want to do that as well, so keep that in mind. We are This is just the longest offseason ever, of course, and the longest ramp-up to a draft, and now we're looking to go in November, maybe even December, although I really, GP, I really hope not. I mean, that would be just straight-up bizarre if we wound up having a college basketball season start and a draft still hasn't happened yet. For a player like Okoro, um, don't know if this is going to impact him or not, but I know teams were definitely, he's definitely the kind of player where they're going to, if they can see him in person, they're going to want to because there's enough intrigue there. There's obviously enough potential for him to go top five. But um, but yes, for him, I think in particular, those those in-person workouts, if and when they are allowed and in what way, um, I think is, is a big factor there. So keep that in mind. Just wanted to toss that in at the end of this pod here. The draft has was tried for October 16th. Now November 18th is best case scenario. And there's still not certainty that it can be done as soon as that. Yeah, and all of our lives have been disrupted by this pandemic. So, like, it's not the biggest thing in the world, but it does kind of suck to 
I mean, like, like at least I know where I'm going to be living for the next year or two or three or whatever. Like these players are genuinely waiting to find out where am I going to live for the next several years? Um, It's a weird thing. Like, you know, like, like, let's just get on with it. And so now uh, they're gonna have to wait even longer. It was already going to be longer than uh, any prospect that ever had to wait between the end of their season and the time they were selected by a professional franchise. Now it'll be um, even even longer than it was supposed to be. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Terry, MF Fatigue legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you once again for listening to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of a pandemic. If you enjoy it, please tell one person about it. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it. So go do that, and we will talk to you again a little later on this week. Till then, take care.